lot of people in December last year. They crossed the year in style. They had everything going. Their jobs were intact. Their marriages were trouble-free. Their children were in school. They were waiting for Christmas to end, for the new year to go back to school. They were going to graduate. People who have studied in universities and in high schools were waiting for their graduation. It's a scary thing to watch normal become abnormal. Your business was doing well. You made a lot of money during Christmas season. Last season, last Christmas, you made a lot of money. There was no warning that your business will not be there six months later or three months later or four months later. I want to talk to ministers like me. Your ministry was your world. Your church was your empire. Ruled by a kingdom called the senior pastor. Called by the prophet, the senior prophet, the apostle. And today, number told you as you declared the themes of the new year. As you stood on December 31st and told your congregation, Thus says the Lord, this will be a year of this, will be a year of this, will be a year of this, will be a year of this. Man of God, woman of God, as you declare those things, you didn't know that the river will be dry by the month of March. You never knew that the members will be warned against you and to be told to run away from you. And, but today, the very members and members that you have raised, the very people you have shepherded and nurtured in the faith and grown from drunkards to ministers of the gospel, from people who are prostitutes in the streets to leaders of ladies' movements, rioters' kids and teenagers, to worship leaders and ushers in the house of God. Today they are being told, don't step into that church. What do you do when you watch the river dry? What do you do when you watch the river dry? Is that on a sad note, there are people who will never wake up again from where they have fallen. Businesses may never rise up again. It will take years to rebuild. Ministries that have taken years, churches that have taken years to establish. Money. I talked to a friend recently who told me, Bishop, pray for me. I'm on my last leg of finances. I, 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 I have I, I, I've, I've, I've pumped it in trying to resurrect all the things that I had going, paying my loans and everything, and he told me, I don't have it anymore. What do you do when there are money in the bank cannot sustain you until you get your job back? The river that you, you thanked God for. You gave an all thanksgiving offering for the job that you got, the business that you got. You're tithed faithfully. You have given your tithe 10%. You have given 10% of your income from that job, from that business, from that farm, from that entrepreneurial you know, activity. You have given faithfully to God. But the river, the water level is going down. To some, others, it's almost gone, and others, it's a dry river bed. 
What do you do when the river dries up? Do you curse God? Do you mama before God? Do you complain? Do you declare that God is unfaithful because he has led? Do you blame him for giving you a river, sending you to river carry the non-Mississippi? Or Chania River, our river next down here. Do you talk like Naaman or Naaman, the captain of the Syrian army, when he was told to go to the Jordan River, to the Jordan River and dip himself seven times, he said, "Ah, not River Abana and River Papa and Abana, the rivers of Syria. Don't they have better clear waters than this crazy Jordan River? Why would I, if it was just jumping into a river, would I not just go to River Abana or Papa? What he didn't know was not the river. It was the God of the river. It was the word of the Lord, for man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's what gave Naaman faith in what looked ridiculous and stupid, which was the science of stupid to a, to a Syrian general. It was the science of stupid to a Syrian general, to his mind, when he took the word of the Lord he lived to see his body become that of a child. His skin became like a child. And today, if you stand by the side of the Lord, even if the river has dried, the God who brings rain will fill it up again with water. He will do it again. Blessed be the name of Jesus. When the river dries up, then it gives room to tormenting questions. Tormenting questions. Gut-breaking questions. Energy-sapping, sapping, you know, sapping questions. They sap your energy. And these are the questions when the river dries. How can a river God sent to me, dry up. The question looks very logical. But it will torment you, my brother, and torment you, my sister, if you entertain it. A child of God will ask, a prayerful person will ask, after all these years of prayer and fasting and seeking the face of God, how can my job die? How can my company close? How can... My marriage die. How can my health fail? He was sent to that river by God. It's the same God who allowed that river to dry. Don't ask me, Bishop, why does God do or allow bad things to happen to good people? Because I'll turn around and ask you a question. Why does God send rain to witches and sorcerers and diviners and magicians? Why can't he just send it to the righteous? Why can't the sun rise up for the righteous only? Or shine for the righteous only? God is awesome. 
in heaven we'll get all the answers. But for now, if you allow these questions to torment your mind, if you allow this question to torment your mind, you'll end up thinking God has abandoned you. And he has not. Believe me, he has not. He is still seated on his throne. He's still working out a plan to get you out. Another question that is so tormenting is, why did my river dry? Why did it dry? Is it God who dried my river or is it Satan? Is God behind the losing of my job? Is it the devil who shut the door that God opened for me? Is it God who shut the door that God opened for me? Or is it the devil? Who do I bind? Do I thank God for the lost opportunity? Do I thank God for the job that I lost? Or do I blame the devil for losing it? The third question is very terrible. What sin did I commit to deserve this? When the enemy of your peace, the enemy of salvation convinces you that it's a sin that you committed, that's why you're suffering. That's why things are not working for you. That's why you are losing your money. That's why you don't have a job. That's why your marriage is not working. That's why your child is rebellious. That is why A, B, C, D, E, F, G. That's why your mother-in-law doesn't like you or your father-in-law dislikes you or, or, or why, these things, why these things are going wrong. If you bring yourself to that level, if you allow the enemy when the river dries to tell you it's because of your sin, you will hate yourself. God forgives every sin that is repented. Job was convinced by his three wise men, wise friends, day by day, every single day of his suffering and adversity, he was convinced that it is sin that he had committed that was making God punish him. Job repented of every sin that he knew. His wife reached her hand and she said, let's cast this God and die for we are better dead than living to go through this. Job said, I love this scripture. I love this verse. Though he slay me, Yet will I trust in him. Verse 17 puts it in Job 35, puts it very clear. Though he slays me, though you slay me, Jehovah God, I will still trust in you. Is that your confession this morning? It's not because you have sinned. It's not because I've sinned. But if you allow the enemy to convince you that it is sin that you have done, then you will blame God and blame people and most likely you invite trouble to yourself. Where did I go wrong? A lot of people will ask that. Where did I go wrong? God, I tithed faithfully. I gave you my tithes. I gave my offerings. I went to church. I attended every prayer meeting. I have fasted. I have walked in righteousness, in the fear of the Lord. I've read your word. I've, I've walked with you. I've fellowship with you every day. I've taught my children. 
the ways of the Lord. Why are they rebellious? But they walked away. These questions and many others are what causes depression. These difficult questions is what causes depression. It's what makes men and women of God and the people that go to church every Sunday to despair. And we are not alone. John the Baptist, the man who witnessed Jesus and who had a voice coming from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am pleased. And he saw the Holy Spirit come down like a dove and, uh, like a dove and rested on Jesus. And a voice thundered from heaven in his presence when he was going through adversity. When he was locked up in prison waiting for his head to be cut, to be chopped because a little girl had asked under the influence of his wicked mother, of our wicked mother, she was told to ask as a gift the head of John the Baptist. And John knew that his head was going to go and as he sat in prison, waiting to be beheaded, some two disciples came to him to visit him in prison. And as they fellowshiped and encouraged their pastor, their bishop, their reverend, their most right and the most left reverend, their vicar, their moderator, their archbishop, John the Baptist. As they said bye-byes and hugged, as they stepped out, he called them back. And he told them, when you go back to Jesus, when you go back to Jesus, who for his, stand, for, for his faith, I'm in prison. And he's having it good out there. And I'm in prison. I'm in this dungeon. Ask him whether he is still the Jesus who was to come or we should be looking for another. That's a very mighty prophet of God and discouragement. Discouragement had crept into his mind and to his heart in prison. And vastity as a way of putting you at a corner. These questions bring desperation. These questions result to big time disappointments. And above all things, discouragements. Are you discouraged this morning as I hand this message? Are you going through a season of discouragement? Are you depressed, my brother, my sister? Is it possible that you could be depressed? Are the outbursts of anger that you are revealing, that you are showing, shouting at your children and they are seated next to you, barking at your wife as she's serving you tea? Is that good on a pulpit? Yeah, I think so. Could those Boats of anchor. Those disturbed emotions. 
Could that negative energy be resulting from depression? Have you despaired in life? Are you desperate? Are you disappointed? Yes and no. Are you going through a season of discouragement? Or every DIS. If you want anything good to turn negative, just add a DIS in front of it. A DIS turns an appointment into a disappointment. A DIS, the letter DIS in front of courage turns it to a discouragement. I have good news for you today. The great I am of old, new and everlasting, is watching over you, is watching over me. Look up to him. The great I am of old, new and everlasting. The I am of old, new and everlasting. Is watching over your situation. Is watching over you. Is watching over me. And though the river has dried, or is about to dry, or is bare rock, at the end of this period of adversity, the God of rain is going to send rain back to you. And there'll be provision and there'll be more than enough. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord do you good. May the Lord shine his face upon you. May the Lord give you peace. The ravens are coming. Don't worry whether you know them or not. Don't chase the ravens. Don't release your dogs on the ravens that God is sending to you. Because some of the ravens will look ugly. Some of the ravens will not look very good. Some of the ravens will look scary. But they have your check. If Abraham chased away the three men whom he didn't know, Sarah would not have received the good news of Isaac's coming. I welcome my reference. Welcome yours. Provision is coming. And if the river has dried, the God of rain is your God. And the same river will be flooding again because God loves you and loves me. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Jehovah God, I want to thank you for this word. I want to thank you for this word. I truly want to praise you for this word. I don't have the capacity to measure the impact of this word. It's not up to me to know whether it's effective or not. But Holy Spirit of the living God, I pray that you pick this word and speak to a father who is discouraged. Assure a mother that there will be food for our children. Assure a single mother that all will be well. Assure a single father 
that there will be provision for, our, for his children. Assure that brother, that sister, that man, that woman that has lost their job, whose business has crashed. That the ravens are coming. The ravens are coming. I hear the sound of the army of the Lord. I hear the sound of the army of the Lord. Again, I hear the sound of the army of the Lord coming to your rescue and coming to my rescue. And therefore, Jehovah God, open our ears to hear the footsteps of the horses that are coming to bring provision. And to hear the cry of the raffins as they locate our house, as they locate our business, as they locate the room where we are in. Whether that raven is the government of the day or a commanded angel or a friend, help us to prepare for their arrival and to welcome them and to identify them so that we don't shut a door that you have opened or open a door that you have shut. Thank you for hearing our prayer and thank you for answering our prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. The Lord bless you. The Lord do you good. There will be part five that is coming your way. See you and talk to you. The Lord bless you. See you then.